So I chose as a topic uh, to reflect a little bit on the aspects of Shemitah that are not necessarily anchored in the halachic issues. I'm sure others can speak extensively about issues related to Hetemechira and all sorts of other aspects of Hilcha Shemitah, some of which we interface with even from here in America. Sometimes when we visit the land of Israel, sometimes when we are just finding ourselves, uh, you know, even from America, trying to trying to um, trying to deal with all sorts of produce that makes its way uh, to our shores. Uh, but uh, the opportunity to be able to relate, perhaps, to some of the underlying messages of Shemitah and how relevant they are. Um, especially to our world and especially to our generation, that even though we are not an agricultural society uh, per se, and most of us probably are not farmers and do not relate extensively to what it means to uh, cease from working our land and toiling our land, nevertheless, the underlying principles and values that Shemitah projects uh, into our sense of religious identity are very much relevant and very much resonate uh, with all of us. So what does it mean to cease from working the land? So the truth is, I myself, probably like most people, uh, do not do an enormous amount of working the land. However, uh, I grew up in Los Angeles, California, and I now am Zoha to live in New Jersey. And the only advantage to living in New Jersey over Los Angeles is it is a little closer to Eretz Yisrael. Uh, so one of the things that I miss desperately from my hometown uh, are palm trees. So over the course of COVID, I actually bought a palm tree. And this became my like ritual of sanity. Every day, I would water this palm tree. And it started with, with two branches, and it's now 13 branches. And this is my connection to the concept of working the land. But it is an amazing experience because one really does begin to feel a certain sense of innate accomplishment and achievement that is very different than the ways in which we impact the world in other facets of our life. As you water the plant, as you care for the plant, as you nurture the plant, as you position the plant to be able to benefit from sunlight and other elements that cultivate its growth, you really do feel a certain sense that you've given rise to this growing and uh, an evolving source of life. And that perhaps is one of the most fundamental messages of Shemitah, both in its source of uh, elevating and accentuating our faith, as well as its implications for what it's intended to uh, project in terms of uh, the social dimensions, this notion of that the world belongs to HaKadosh Baruch So let's begin. So the Torah tells us of the observance of Shemitah in a number of different contexts. Two of the most prominent contexts in Sefer Vayikra, and in Sefer Shemos. In Sefer Vayikra, the Torah tells us at the beginning of Parshas Behar, Vayedaber Hashem El Moshe Behar Sinai Lamar. And as we know, this is one of the defining mitzvot that are uh, transmitted in the context of Har Sinai. Daber Yisrael, speak to the Jewish people, Be'amarta Aleyem Kisaboe Ela Oretz. When you come to the land, Ashanino Sein Lachem, that I'm going to give you, Vishabsa Ha'aretz Shabbas Lahashem. One of the expectations that is going to take hold of your society is to leave the land in terms of not working it, to create a Shabbos, a year off for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Shabbos, Shabbos Lahashem. And what does that mean? Explicates the Torah, Shei Shanim Tizur Sadcha, Shei Shanim 
Tizmar Karmecha, you'll work the land, the fields, the vineyards, the asaptas, Tvuasa, you'll gather together all of the produce. Uvashana Hashviz comes the seventh year. Shabbas, Shabbasoni, Yela, Oretz, Shabbos, Lahashem. Again, focused on the nature of Shemitah as really a declaration and an expression of a recognition that this land belongs to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, belongs to God, and this is a, le- a year of rest, Lahashem, towards HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And what does that mean? Sarcha lo sizra, lo sizmor. The land belongs to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. In other contexts, the Torah emphasizes in source number two in Sefer Shemos, the relevance of Shemitah in terms of leaving the land to be hefker, to be ownerless, and the implications of such a societal reality in terms of what it means for us as a society to take responsibility for everyone who is part of our world. That the, those who are evyonim, those who are poor, have the opportunity to be able to take whatever they want, to take whatever they need. There are so many social implications of the year of Shemitah. Even when we're not within the year of Shemitah, the very existence of the year of Shemitah expresses certain underlying values of what it means to build a moral society in Judaism. The notion that even though we have concepts of Nachla and Achuza, of property, of things that belong to us, that there is some disruptive experience where we are reminded that ultimately this land does not belong to us, it belongs to God, and ultimately that creates a certain responsibility upon us to take certain achrayas for the rest of societies. The Gemara tells us in San Edrin, the reason for shelihu that the land belongs to me. And what I'd like to explore this morning for a few minutes is several perspectives on particularly what aspects of our faith and bitachon and general social dimensions of our society, Shemitah is intended to emphasize and to reveal, and so that we can all, even though we may, many of us, not be living in Eretz Yisrael, or many, maybe even not be traveling to Eretz Yisrael, not interfacing with Shemitah directly, but the values of Shemitah could be ones that we take time and effort and with intentionality internalize over the course of this year, over the course of the Shnas HaShemitah. So let's begin with source number four, which is the Sefer HaChinuch. And here I, I must make mention of the extraordinary work of Rav Rimon in the Sfarim that he has published on the topic of Shemitah. And Rav Rimon, and an opportunity that I had uh, to hear him in a, in a close meeting, he shared that there he receives Shilas and questions. He's the chief rabbi of the Gush Etzion area of Israel and a very renowned Torah scholar. He receives questions from all over the world on halachic topics with tremendous range. But there are two sets of Shilas that he always prioritizes and puts to the top of the list. One are Shilas that come from farmers and the other are Shilas that come from soldiers. So when they asked him why, why these two, two areas, he said, because what a schos, what a merit to live in a generation that the, the Rishonim, the early Achronim, these, these great Geonim never had the opportunity to answer practical questions of mitzvahs tulios pa'aretz, of mitzvahs that are dependent on our, our connection to the land, or mitzvahs that are dependent on our ability to build an, a military to defend our state and our Jewish people. So it's such a schos, it's such a great merit 
So the opportunity to be able to do so is incredible. And he has put together an enormous amount of, uh, of tremendous Torah scholarship in these areas, some of which uh, we are drawing from in our shir today. So the Sefer Achinuch relates to us the following. mitzvah, One of the roots of this mitzvah. Likboa bilibenu, in order to, to be likboa, to establish, to, to concretize in our hearts, litzayer tzir chazak, and to create a certain very crystallized impression, senu in our thoughts and our imagination, in yin chidush ha'olam. Ki sheishis yomim osa Hashem es ha'shamayim v'yasa'aretz, uveyom ha'shvi shabas shalobaradav, the notion that we leave the land to rest, to accentuate the fact that a Baruch Hu is the originating creator of the world, that even though we all come into a world that is so developed, that is so advanced, that has so much technological elements to it that we've been able to harness and to be able to, especially in the realm of agriculture and the ability to, to bring life to areas that are so devoid of nourishment and water and so much that we've been able to do to advance, to not forget that ultimately the creator of the world is in fact the Rabbon Hashem. And he goes on in the second column to explain, And therefore we're commanded to be mafkir, to render ownerless all of the items during this year. Why? To remember that the land that brings forth all of this produce each and every year, it's not because of our efforts, it's not because of our ingenuity, ultimately everything comes from the Rabbon Shalom. And in the modern world where we are so blessed with so many opportunities, to advance society in so many different ways, it becomes more and more difficult to recognize the degree to which, even though we are able of the Ulishamra to advance this world in so many ways, there is a creator that is ultimately responsible for the creation and the ongoing creation of this world. And it is to that creator that we are differential, uh, deferential in every way. The ode says the Sefer Achinoch, says the Sefer Achinoch. So that's from the dimension of faith. There's another aspect to Shemitah that is so critical, not just to, to substantiate our, our recognition that God created this world, but as well, and therefore we, we resist our ingenuity and our interactions and our interface with the land for a year, just like Shabbos, just like we resist engagement with Malacha. We live in the world, but we don't manipulate it. We don't create things related to it. Same thing with Shemitah. But the second, says Sefer Achinoch, is the notion of Vatronus. Vatronus means we recognize that ultimately, not everything we do in this world has to be to receive something back the ability to sort of let go of our possessive nature in life, that everything has to belong to us, that we have rights and privileges, and that we are entitled to aspects of this world. And we all relate to life in that way in so many different ways, whether it's in the context of work or family or community. Certain things we expect, we have expectations of the world. And materially, we have expectations of the world, even spiritually. One of the things that Shemitah helps us recognize, the concept of looking at everything you have and rendering it hefker. Just imagine I'm sitting with so many possessions that are beloved to me. 
the, the things that I that are precious to me, svarim, furniture, my home, so many things that mean something to me. To the farmer, this is his whole world, his yield, his crop. To allow anyone and everyone to take it is an existential shift in how he views himself relative to the world. The notion of vatronas, letting go of that sense of entitlement. What do you mean? This is all my stuff. This is my farm. What do you mean you're just going to come and take everything that belongs to me? Not everything belongs to you. And he writes, um, When a Kaddish Baruch who wants, he can ask us to be mafkirit. So, and then he writes a third reason, and that is to cultivate a sense of bitachem. The notion that when you let go of your possessions, you're also letting go of your stability and your security and your sense of confidence that you have what to sustain yourself. And that creates a certain level of bitachon, of faith in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's a diminishing corrective experience on the side of Ishtaglis. We know that we live in this world with a degree of faith, but that faith also entails human initiative, human effort. But over time, over time, over the course of a week, that human initiative and that human effort naturally becomes the defining identity that we have in terms of how we view why we get what we get. But comes Shabbos and we let go of that initiative and that effort. And we just spend the day immersed in the reality of our spiritual life. And that cultivates a sense of faith. But to do it uh, long term for an entire year, what the Medrash describes as the Gibore Koach of the, the great um, strength of faith that requires with such endurance an entire year to step back from that Hishtadlus, from that initiative, from that effort, not because there's something fundamentally wrong with that initiative and that effort, but because it helps us calibrate and adjust where effort and initiative lie in our larger ecosystem of faith and to recognize sometimes we need to minimize it a little bit to allow our sense of bitachon to recognize that yeah we farm we 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 plant we water we sow we harvest we sell we 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 do all the different things that need to be done but ultimately everything that's happening in our world is because of the revolution fascinatingly the rambam in source number five advances another two reasons for the mitzvah of Shemitah, says the Rambam in his initial reason. One of the purposes of Shemitah is to evoke a sense of compassion for people. You know, we, we live life in, in a commercial reality. So we can't just walk around giving everything away, right? We, we sell goods and we sell them. And people give us money for those goods. And with that, we're able to live our lives. The world would not function if everybody just gave everything away for free. But one year out of the seven, we remove ourselves from that dynamic. And what it does is it also, just like in the realm of faith, in the realm of human compassion, it forces us it force, it compels us to have a year of compassion. Sometimes we could, we could find the compassion on our own. We have a, our own innate motivation to give to other human beings. But not everybody's built that way. And for some people, I don't know, we're very, uh, we're, we're, we're very mockbit in terms of, oh, we'll give exactly my sir, or maybe not even my sir. Whatever it is, we have a certain, we, we do the best we can. But for one year out of the cycle, 
the farmer is told, you have no choice but to be compassionate. This is forced altruism. You have no choice. But what happens when we force someone into compassion? They experience what it's like, what it feels like. The Aniyam are coming to the field. They're going home, the smiles on their face, the sense of, the sense of uh, elation and being able to support and, and give to their families. And when one experiences that sense of compassion, says the Rambam, it'll influence our religious personality and carry through the remainder of the six years. I may not be mafkir my field for all poor people for the rest of the six years of the cycle, but my mindset has adjusted, my attitude, my disposition. I've become a more compassionate person. Sometimes we have to force ourselves into that posture. And then when we experience its greatness, we can internalize what it's about. And as a result, end up actually cultivating it as part of our religious personality more broadly. That's the Rambam's first reason. The Rambam's second reason is incredibly rational and pragmatic. Says the Rambam, the Rambam writes in his second reason, The Rambam then writes, that what's the second reason for Shemitah? The Rambam writes that during the year of Shemitah, by giving the land a year off, it is agriculturally beneficial in allowing the land to regenerate its own growth capacity, writes the Rambam. And there are many that have written on this phenomenon, the notion that when you try to work the land over and over and over, the land, so to speak, has its own personality, just like a human being needs vacation, needs a break to regenerate, to be able to to just, you know, have the opportunity to kind of clear the conscience and, and be able to create some fertile ground for further growth and productivity. So the land itself, from a nutrient perspective, if you just try to keep growing and growing and growing, sometimes the land just, it just needs a break. It needs an opportunity to be able to, uh, to be able to regenerate its, its growth capacity. So Rav Rimon in his Sefer on Shemitah in source number six, quotes the Abar Benel who questions this um, assertion of the Mara Nebuchad. He writes, it's a hard, it's a hard reason to understand says the Abarbanel, since the Torah tells us that one of the practical ways we get through Shemitah is because there is greater bracha in that sixth year. The sixth year produces enough for the sixth year, the seventh year, and the eighth year when things get back on track. So as the Barbanel, if this is true, that there's a deteriorating capacity for the agricultural uh, growth of all of these fields, then it wouldn't make sense rationally that that final year should be the highest yield and highest form of growth if, in fact, we're relating to this very practical uh, consideration of the field itself. He also quotes the Sefer Akedas Yitzchak, who tries to understand why in the world then would the abandonment of Shemitah result in such profound punishments like Golas. We're told in the Nevi'im already that one of the reasons we are expelled from the land of Israel is because of the failure to observe Shemitah. But if it's a pragmatic consideration for farming, so then it's very hard to understand why there would be such an extraordinary consequence, which seems much more related to the historical destiny of the Jewish people, all because we didn't do something that's important for the growth of the of, of, of agriculture. And so therefore, Ramon suggests, based on these Makoros, a, a different approach in understanding the Rambam. So what the Rambam is really saying 
is not that suddenly farmers have to become such super, you know, rational um, and, and, and practical, you know, minded, uh, you know, what exactly is, is best for the land exclusively because we're focused on the yield of the land, but rather not just about faith, not just about compassion, but about our relationship to Eretz Yisrael. It, it is about extending a deeper appreciation for the soil, for the land, for the ground of Eretz Yisrael. And we could add that we have to recognize we are physical human beings. And when the Torah asks us to connect to transcendent sanctity in any realm of life, it always asks us to do so through the portal of something physical, of something tangible, of something material that the, that the human being can relate to. In order to be able to access the knowledge of God, the values of God, we have to use our very physical and human intellect in order to comprehend what the Rabbon Shalom wants of us. All of the mitzvahs to internalize the values of Pesach, we consume matzah. We have to eat it physically. We have to eat it. We have to love eating it. It, when we want to, anything we want to acknowledge, anything we want to connect to spiritually, we do so through the medium of some sort of physical expression of, uh, of, uh, of what that underlying value is about. How do we connect to the sanctity of Eretz Yisrael? What does it mean that we're a nation that appreciates the sanctity of the land itself, right? This past week's Parsha in America, Parsha Shlach, we know that was, that was one of the, the very compromising aspects of the Miraglim, that the Miraglim did not appreciate the, the value and the divine nature of what Eretz Yisrael was all about. And they came back with rational reports, maybe even accurate reports. But what was expected of them was to see more, to appreciate deeper, to recognize that the land of Israel is not just some nation that you report, there's a giant here, there's a fortification there. There's a deeper reality to the land of Israel. And, and the Jewish people are supposed to connect to that reality in a deep and profound way. How do we do that? We do that by expressing greater degree of care and concern and love and investment into the land. And so therefore, yes, what the Rambam means is the cultivation of the land and the, and the cessation in order to regenerate it, it is something practical, but it's not just something practical. On a superficial level, it's practical, but what's driving that practical concern is a deeper appreciation for the Kedusha of the land of Eretz Yisrael. The Ibn Ezra in source number seven writes a totally different reason for the mitzvah of Shemitah. The reason for the mitzvah of Shemitah is because it's Domel Shabbos, Higam Hishriyas Bishanim, Vitziba Hashem, Shiyikra Torah Betchilas Hashano. How does Shemitah begin? With the reading of the entire Torah. Neged Anoshim, Anoshim Vitzaf, in front of everyone. The Omar Hatam, Laman Yishmu, Lamal Yilmadu, Vishimro, that we should learn and we should teach and we should understand and we should observe. And what's the purpose of this? Vihine. The purpose of Shemitah is to clear the schedule of the farmers to re-encounter their relationship with Talmud Torah, with spirituality. We know that life gets busy and stressful and overwhelming and consuming, and it's so difficult and so challenging to, uh, to be able to make the space and the time and the focus to devote ourselves to Torah. And so therefore, for this one year, again, similar to the compassion approach 
we are forced into a situation where there is greater availability of time, where there's a greater opportunity to devote oneself to the study of Torah, where we clear the distractions because we have no choice. We can't immerse in those aspects of life. So for us, maybe we're not taking a year off of Shemitah in order to be able to sit and learn, but to internalize the notion that when we look at our general work-life balance in terms of the role in space that spirituality and learning play in that dynamic, that sometimes it requires taking a step back, taking some time off, and just devoting oneself uh, to be able to reconnect with the values of Torah. The Abar Benel tells us in source number eight, the Abar Benel uh, writes an entirely uh, different approach to what Shemitah is all about. Writes the Abar Benel that we go through life and often when one lives, and I think we could all relate to this, in one large continuum, one long continuum of existence, it's very easy to become just kind of passive to the general momentum of life. Very, very easy. When there aren't demarcations of cycles. We know this to be the case, right? People have midlife crisis. What's a midlife crisis? Something's happening in their life. Their, their children, if they're zocha to have children, are moving out of the home, graduating, moving on. There are transitions going on, causing one to ask oneself, where am I relative to where I thought I would be, wanted to be, should be? All of these questions are a product of some sort of disruptive, um, sometimes even very celebratory um, experience that causes us to ask ourselves, you know, where is our life? So says the Abar Benel, often human beings get sucked into just one long momentum of life. And therefore, we have to live life with a consciousness of our mortality. Not that we live life every single day worried that we're going to die, but that notion that we live life with the recognition that this isn't forever. We're given a particular period of time. And therefore, the purpose of Shemitah is to disrupt, to give cycle, to give a sense of, and that's why everything's in seven. Because he quotes the Pasuk in Tehillim, that a human being's expected lifespan is 70 years, right? Shivim Shana. The Gemara says in Gidden, if you, if you live till 80, Bigvuros Shmonim Shana, then you have your Cheskas Chayim back. Yeah, it's then, then you're getting a lot out of life. But life, it, it, 70 years is the lifespan that the, that the Torah relates to. So everything's in terms of seven. Shabbos comes every seven days. Shemitah comes every seven years. Sviris Omer is seven towards Kabbalah Satora, seven weeks. The Yovel comes after seven Shemitahs. All of this, says the Abar Benel, is for us to internalize the notion that life is not forever and to appreciate the value of every day. I'll tell you one amazing story. So in Yeshiva University, I have the great schos of serving as the dean of the Center for the Jewish Future in a position that was endowed by the Mitzner family. And the title of the position is the David Mitzner Dean of Yeshiva University's Center for the Jewish Future. David Mitzner, Olava Shalom, was a Holocaust survivor who came to America with $17 in his pocket and managed, like many survivors, to be able to build his life in such a way that he became incredibly successful in Houston and in other spaces and in real estate back in Poland when the Iron Curtain fell, enormously successful, an incredible Baal Tzedakah, whose son is now at the, at the helm of our, our own lay leadership 
in the Board of Trustees in Yeshiva University. So David Mitzner, a remarkable story, and there's a lot to say about him. He was celebrating his 100th birthday. So they asked if I would go to Houston. It was Hanukkah time and uh, speak at this dinner in celebration of Mr. Mitzner. So I, um, I traveled to Houston and I, I showed up at his home and we spent a, a nice amount of time together. And at the end of the conversation, he said to me, you know, do you know how old I am? So I said, of course I know. That's why I'm here. I, I heard you're turning, I heard you're a hundred, turning a hundred. What a bracha. So he said to me, I'm not a hundred. I'm a hundred and a half. And, and, I, and I walked out of the house and I was thinking to myself, you know, it's an amazing thing. When you have a little kid, right? If you tell a five-year-old, you're five. The five-year-old say, I'm, I'm not five. I'm five and a quarter. I'm five and a half. I'm five and three quarters. No one who's 40 ever correct. I heard, you, I heard you're 40. Actually, I'm, I'm 40 and three quarters. No one says that. You sound crazy if you say that. But at a hundred, I'm a hundred and a half. Why? Because at the beginning of life and at the end of life, we recognize we want credit for every single, in that road to maturity, we want credit for every half. And at the end of life, we want, we, when we appreciate the, the precariousness of life and its mortality, we want credit for every single half a year of life. But in the middle, we're just moving, 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 moving. So we don't appreciate the incremental value of every single moment, the inestimable value that we have each and every day. Says the Barbanel, that's the purpose of Shemitah. You stop for a year within this larger cycle to internalize the notion that, that, that life is not from zero to 70. Life is in sections. And in each one, a person has to take a step back and say to themselves, I'm, I'm making my way further down the, the, the course. Where am I? What am I thinking about? Where am I holding? Rabbi Hirsch Kalisher, who I'm happy to quote in this year, he's one of Rabbi Wasserman's uh, tremendous heroes. He writes that the reason for Shemitah, he writes the reason for Shemitah, a totally different perspective, that it gives us the opportunity of the equalization of classes, that for one year, there are no rich and there are no poor. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that you're the owner and the Oni is the, is the taker. It doesn't belong to you and it doesn't belong to them. And it creates this certain sense of equality. Um, in Rabbi Salavechik, say for an Abram Avinu, he asks why hospitality, Achnosos Orchim, is such a defining attribute of Abram Avinu. And he answers that there's a difference between the altruism of, let's say, you know, supporting someone with tzedakah and with Achnosos Orchim, because tzedakah always as a giver and a receiver. Someone comes to my home and asks for tzedakah, I'm behind the door in the home, and I get to decide, am I going to give them something for myself, and are they going to receive them, receive what I'm giving? And that, by definition, creates an imbalance, an imbalance between these two Jews. One's the needy, and one is the, the, the satisfied, you know, possessor of all the resources. Achnosos Orchem is I bring them into my home. We sit around a table together. There's a certain sense of equality. There's a certain sense of dignity that you're affording an individual when you sit around and we'll talk and we'll eat and we'll ever. You're not, it doesn't feel when you go to someone's house or Shabbos lunch that they're giving you something because you're in need. There's a certain sense of equalizing role and, and, and that brings a certain level of achdos to the Jewish people. That's what this is intended to create. This is intended at least for a year to eliminate the classes. 
the notion that there are rich and there are poor. No. We're all created B'Tselem Elohim. So Hashem gave me the assignment of giving the money away and supporting others with the great benefit of having some for myself. And Hashem gave someone else the assignment of being in need. That's something that's simply a consequence of Hashkacha. That's not necessarily something that we earned or we're entitled to. And so therefore, to be able to clear the, uh, clear the, 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 the level. Ma'ar, in source number 10, talks about Shemitah B'Yobel, Yeshlem Sodas Amukim. What does he write this is about? To create this sense of equality, not just so that the Oni benefits, because you know they don't feel denigrated for this year, they feel like they're on equal footing, but also to sensitize the Oshir, that the individual who has experiences a little bit what it's like not to be in full control of what it is that you possess. For one year, your items are hefker. And we recognize this is what it's like to not really know. Someone could come and take your stuff. Someone doesn't take your stuff. You're not in control of what's going on. And that also is a part of what we, uh, what we gain over the course of Shemitah. Um, the Toldos Yitzchak in source number 11 has a beautiful depiction that the purpose of Shemitah is to create a simulation of Yemosa Mashiach what it means to be able to live in a world where our needs will be taken care of. Just like Shabbos is me'ein olam haba, Shemitah also, what would it be like to build a society where we're not constantly worried about uh, these practical concerns and we're able to devote ourselves in a greater and more elevated fashion to what it means to be Ovdei Hashem? So this is part of what we create through the experience of Shemitah. And I want to conclude with, of course, the insight of Rav Kook. Rav Kook published an incredible sefer called Shabbos Aretz. He published the sefer in connection with the Shemitah of 1909. And the purpose of the sefer primarily was to advocate a halachic defense of the Heter Mechira, which at the time was, uh, by all accounts, a necessity in order to ensure that the farmers could, in fact, survive in the Yeshuv. This goes all the way back to the 19th century, when uh, the questions of what to do about Shemitah, when they were so economically deprived, and they had first, the first wave of Aliyah was settling the land, these questions were sent to none other than Rabbi Yitzchak Elchanan Specter, namesake of our yeshiva, and the famous Heter Mechira, that they sell the land, and that's for its own halachic discussion. But Rav Kook, in anticipation of his halachic defense, has a beautiful essay where he explains what the power of Shemitah is really about. And that the primary yesod, the, the main ideal that he uh, conveys in that work, is that what Shabbos does for the individual, what is the purpose of Shabbos for an individual? It's to clear one's experience of the expectations and stresses of the world and to allow one to be immersive in one's spiritual identity and reconnect with what fundamentally is our goal of existence. That's what Shabbos is for. And so that's why at a Shabbos table, yeah, we try to have different Torah and Zmiros. We could also discuss regular life at a Shabbos table, but not because we're hawking on what the rabbi's speech is about or the chasm went too long, because we are trying to relate to life through the prism and values of Torah. 
That's what Shabbos is about, to clear all these distractions. So he writes, what Shabbos does for the individual, Shemitah is supposed to do for the cloud. Where do the Jewish people as a nation find this space to recalibrate themselves? The destiny of Am Yisrael is not just about what Yaakov Glasser is going to do with his day or his life. It's also about what we collectively as a nation are going to do with our peoplehood and how we are going to advance what Rabbi Berman always describes as moving history forward. When do we work on that? We work on that on a Monday morning when we're, we're trying to deal with inflation and, and, and make a living. That's when we work on that. Or do we work on that? We clear a space. We clear an opportunity to be able to focus ourselves on this mindset. And no time has this been more critical than now. We Kaiso gets very easily lost in the minutia of issues, in, in the constant uh, struggle of how do we satisfy and address this particular challenge, that particular challenge, this issue, that issue. But where do we find the space, the national space, to take a step back and ask, where are the Jewish people holding? Where are we holding? Big issues, big questions, assimilation, all sorts of big questions. Where are we holding? Says Rav Kook, that's the purpose of Shemitah. The purpose of Shemitah is to remove the Jewish people from the fields, not only for their own personal advancement in Talmud Torah, but also collectively to try to get on the same page. What needs to happen as a nation in order to move Am Yisrael forward? It's our tefillah that our experience of Shemitah should not only be through our Limud Torah, through those of our uh, brothers and sisters who are zocher to observe Shemitah uh, today in Eretz Yisrael, but that we should be able to experience with the ultimate redemption, the full range of mitzvahs tzliyos ba'aretz, the opportunity to advance our identity as a nation, to play the role as a nation that we are intended to play in the larger world, and the Rabbi should send us such a redemption. Have a wonderful and amazing day.